The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Andre Salveson with you here on the Full Court Press. And, uh, well, a lot of things to break down today. Utah State preparing for their matchup against the Broncos in Boise. Al Lewis will have pregame coverage starting at 6 and go right up until about 7 o'clock. Then it'll be a Logan High basketball game on KVNU. And uh, the Aggie game will be seen on CBS Sports Network. And then as soon as it's done, you can tune back on to uh, KVNU and and tune in to hear what Al Lewis, John Russell, and Jalen Moore have to say about the game as it played out. Uh, Ajay Salveson, he's, he's there too. And uh, Ajay, you've got the, some boots on the ground there in Boise. And uh, certainly the part of the discussion today is uh, about the, the excitement and controversy leading up to this series uh, in Boise uh, this week. But first, uh, uh, wintry day here. Did you? I, I guess I should confirm, are you actually there in Boise? Did you make it okay? Uh, yeah, so actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, Utah was a lot worse than Boise. I thought Boise would be bad, too. Boise's beautiful here. Clear skies. It's cold, but it's gorgeous here today. Okay. That's good. So you made it fine. Your your day is fine. You're happy to be in Boise. Well, okay, so... You're out there shopping you know, for Boise State Bronco no. gear to bring back because <laughs> you lost certain contest i i am actually i have got me some boise gear to wear uh yes for our show but i've also got you some boise gear that you can wear you know next week uh for you so we can match we can be matching twins you know it's it's funny you asked about my day and i feel like you knew what happened did, uh, did you what have you mean? heard yet I, have they i knew what happened i don't know anything that's happened with you because everything trends on twitter or someone's always filming something or somebody just because. They don't know what they're going to get. Eric, here's how my when I got to Boise, I drove around the block four times looking for the parking garage. Found a parking garage, parked, went to the lobby. They said I parked in the wrong garage. I had to pull my car out, and it cost me four bucks to do it. Got my car out, went to the right garage. Had Now I have to pay another four bucks to get out of that to get to the arena tonight. Then I'm like, you know what? I'm starving. I'm hungry. So there is a uh, Chipotle restaurant just down the street. So I got out. Um, I walked over and I grabbed me some Chipotle and I grabbed me a, a lemonade with some Sprite in it. And I'm looking at the street directions, you know, which one I'm supposed to go to. I walk straight into a lamppost. I mean, just crush it. And then my drink spills all over me. What? All right. So I so I'm now covered in lemonade oh. and Sprite. Then then I'm like, well, f this. I'm I'm jaywalking the street because I'm wet and I need to get, you know, changed. Well, so I, I start jogging across, you know, the street and I just face plant it. My food, the rest of my drink, I face plant right in the middle of the road. Just wipe out. Oh, Jay. <laughs> and then, and then I get up to my hotel room and I realize, I was like, wait, where's my card key? You know, or my key card or whatever. I had accidentally, when I was uh, taking out my wallet, I took out my key card with it, I guess, and I dropped it on the floor. So, in my soaking wet self, I had to go back across, 
all the way back to Chipotle, grab my key card, <laughs> then come back up to my hotel room. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad Eric's not here today. I could only imagine how worse it would have been if you were here. <laughs> I, I you know what? Know I probably it. would have gone out and found you a gift certificate to a nice local Mexican restaurant <laughs> for you to go get some chips and salsa. I don't know if it would have been open or not. Okay, Andre, it's a great restaurant just like four blocks down. Just run over there and grab yourself some Mexican food. Oh, great, Eric. I'll run over there. Come back two hours later. Eric, the restaurant's closed. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. It should be the thought that counts. (laughs) No. No, it should not be. (laughs) No, it should not be. Oh, man. So, yeah. The drive was great. Getting or I being here has been kind of a problem so far. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, So, we know that there's been a lot of controversy about this matchup. Uh, between the two schools themselves, the athletic department and uh, Utah State, also UNLV voicing their concern about moving games to a different venue. Uh, But Utah State has been the lightning rod for this controversy, especially John Hartwell. I actually had a chance to speak with B.J. Raines earlier today. We'll play that back in the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, now that you're there, have you got a sense for Is it... Uh, is, is this much ado about nothing, or is there really some pent-up frustration and uh, uh, anger directed towards Utah State? Uh, let me put it this way. <laughs> when I walked inside the hotel, there were two people standing there, and they said, uh, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here to stay for the hotel. They're like, no, what are you doing here with Aggie gear on? And I said, well, I, I, uh, I'm affiliated with the, the Utah State team in a certain way, and uh, I'm here for the games this this weekend, and uh, <laughs> and they just kind of looked at me, and then they looked away, and they shook their head in disgust. Um, this is serious. This this town, and, and by the way, this town is decorated with Boise State stuff everywhere. Cars, uh, there's little entranceway, you know, going into restaurants. It's decorated with Boise State stuff. Uh, there's a couple you can tell their local shops are closing down. At six o'clock to go to the game tonight. Uh, this is real, uh, and I can tell you right now, Boise State hates Utah State. They hate them. That is, I mean, I know "hate's a strong word," but we're using it in this context. Uh, they do not like Utah State. They do not like anything about them. Um, they think Craig Smith is the devil. Uh, they, uh, they are not. Yeah, they want this series really, really badly tonight. They are salivating. Over this, over this series, they've been wanting this about since. I mean, week one, honestly. And uh, when you get 900 fans in there, and a majority of them will be angry Boise maniacs, uh, this is this is going to be intense tonight. And there's going to be a lot of juice, a lot of energy inside of Extra Mile Arena tonight for this series. Yeah, this is um, you know, that that Boise State Bronco basketball team has been a decent team for a little while. They get way overshadowed with the, the the football program, and I understand it. I mean, that's a it's a perennial top twenty five football program. But there have been times where the basketball program deserves as much excitement and, and attention uh, during their time that they're playing. But they generally don't get quite the same level of excitement and interest in that community. 
something like this is uh, kind of awakened them. Uh, it seems like that that uh, the, the the sense that I'm having come leading up to this game that they seem to be pretty pretty dialed up about this matchup, perhaps more than they normally would be. And, and they're not overlooking them either. It is a good matchup and important for standings too. Yeah, no, you are. You are spot on, Eric. Absolutely spot on. They're not overlooking the Aggies. Boise State is not. You'll play some sound bites from Leon Rice for later on in the show, and you'll hear it from him. He understands how good Utah State is, and he understands for his self, for his coaching career, Leon Rice has been known to choke in big games and not get it and get in, and not get through the Mount West Conference tournament, no matter how talented his teams were. And number two, falling to Utah State consistently. He's been known to do that. And and if there's any chance that you could actually go into extra mile read it, you get not one, but two games against the Aggies inside of your backyard, like this is a chance for Leon Rice to put a very big exclamation point on his resume by beating Utah State. And they and by the way, we talked about, you know, maybe a split will be okay for us. They're not looking for a split. They want a sweep and they want it badly. And these fans are expecting a sweep from the Boise State Broncos. That's where the expectation level at is at right now for what many have called the best Boise State Bronco team in a long, long time. Yeah, this is um, this is a good team that Utah State's going to be facing. This is a team that, um, you know, looking at some of their conference rankings, uh, they they lead the conference in three categories, and they're number two in seven other categories. So this is a team that plays well. Now, they benefited from the soft side of the schedule early, and they've come into the, the real teeth of their conference schedule just within the last few weeks. Uh, we know that Nevada swept them. Uh, they struggled um, and, uh, and uh, struggled against UNLV just this past week. Uh, but uh, this is a team that is hoping to, uh, if nothing else, um, sweep the Aggies and hope to split with San Diego State next week. That's what BJ Reigns uh, is telling me. That's the the hope that they need to they win they need to win three of their last four to have to feel comfortable about getting into the NCAA tournament. And uh, you know what? Frankly, I think Utah State is kind of in a similar position. I think they need to win three of their last four if they want to secure their spot uh, to be the automatic qualifier and to uh, take away any doubt. Yeah. No. It's. Yeah, three, and, and by the way, that is a big ask of this basketball team for Boise State to go win three out of the final four versus two of the top-tier teams in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and I know this one's at home, and, and but San Diego State on the road. I mean, if you want to win three out of four, you got to sweep this series because if I'm going to be flat-out honest with you, I don't think they're sweeping San Diego State inside of Viejas Arena. I just don't think that's possible. No. <laughs> no. I, you know... San Diego State is. Uh, I ran some numbers today. Thanks. I found the, uh, the 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 NCAA stat website <laughs> and had a lot of fun on there today. But uh, San Diego State, they are um, number seven in the country in scoring defense. And uh, one of the other top things that really stood out to me with San Diego State, uh, 14th in scoring margin. Uh, this is a team that's just been on a tear lately. And uh, just blowing teams out and playing some really, really good basketball. So uh, Aggie fans should all feel very happy that they faced San Diego State when they did because I think they're a different oh, team yeah. now than they were a month ago. 
Well, and Matt Mitchell's trying to get himself back into that uh, player of the year conversation, and it might be a little bit too late. But if he can have a big weekend this weekend, or at least this week, and then have a monster week versus Boise State on national television, that's going to go a long ways in decorating that resume for a Mount West Conference Player of the Year consideration. Like, they're, yeah, that San Diego State team is very motivated in these final two weeks, and a bit a sweep versus Boise State would do wonders for them. Uh, so let's. Um... We're getting into a lot more hearing the coaches and talking more about the matchups and um, some of the storylines that may play out tonight on CBS Sports Network. But for you, Ajay, looking at this game and what you've been looking at and, and the coaches you've been talking to, uh, just your your idea about what's what could happen tonight. Uh, first, your your keys tonight for the Aggies to get the win, and then what what do you predict is going to happen? Oh man. I hate these questions because they're so good. And, I mean, and like, one, and, and this sounds kind of dumb, Eric, so bear with me, but expect the unexpected. Like, understand that not everything is going to go per- perfect for you. Like, as, as a basketball team, and speaking of the Utah State Aggies, understand that it's not going to go perfect tonight. Your game plan is going to have to have adjustments. They're going to go on a run. They are going to go on a run. They're going to get the crowd into it. They might even come out throwing mock, you know, haymakers and, you know, shooting at a Mach 9 hair on fire pace. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very possible because of the juice, because of the energy, because of the excitement of having fans inside of the arena for the first time this year for a big series. Take it, handle it, and then make a run back. Do not fall to the ground and sit there. Get up and swing back. Understand that there's going to be intensity, um, that you're, I mean, Utah State's a good basketball team for a reason. They're the number one team in the Mountain West Conference for a reason. Uh, you, you're you good enough to play with this team. And don't let a big haymaker that might clock you, or don't let a run that they go on shake you in any way. Stay composed. And then speaking of emotions, there's going to be some tension tonight. There's going to be some intensity tonight. Derek Olson Jr. likes to talk a lot. Their bench likes to talk a lot. Keep it in yourself. Make good decisions. Don't need to shove back. Don't. I mean, if you want to jaw back, do it. Do it at the right time. Um, don't get yourself a technical foul when it's not necessary. Keep your emotions in check. And uh, I mean, honestly, those are two of the biggest keys for me. And then the other one is uh, be able to. You can't stop Derek Olson Jr. Contain him. Find a way to contain him. And uh, and you should be. You should be in the game by late in the uh, second half. Yeah, I, I think those are absolutely key points as well. You know, the, the, the emotions are going to be running high. There's going to be fans there. There's going to be a lot of excitement. Utah State hasn't played in two weeks, one game in 21 days. Uh, so they're going to be rusty. And so how quickly can they shake off the rust? Um, and how quickly can they get into their own momentum and their own mojo? I think that's one of the real big keys for me because uh, – Boise State's going to come out firing. They're going to come out with a lot of excitement and momentum, having fans there. And so uh, they're going to get smacked in the mouth quickly. And so how well can they counter that uh, and uh, get back up off the mat? Uh, And I'm with you on that. I think those are really, really big keys for tonight. Friday is going to be a different story, but for tonight, those are really big. And then uh, this is a Boise State team that has, you know, a lot of attention on Derek Alston Jr. and for good reason. But this is a team that can have other guys that can can uh, can light you up, and 
they're kind of like a UNLV in that they do a lot of one-on-one um, ISO type stuff. So I think that that uh, help defense when necessary, uh, which Utah State does a really good job of, uh, and just not letting any any one guy get comfortable. I think that's a really big key tonight defensively for the Aggies. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, uh, I, I do got to ask you again, and I mean, def- defending Derek Olson is going to have to be a huge priority for the Aggies. And the more I've thought about it, the more I think you're right. I think it's going to be Justin Bean that's going to be guarding Derek Olson. Do you like that matchup? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the, the most likely uh, scenario that we would see. Um. Probably, um, and it may be by committee. You know, there may be different guys that have to take a shot at him, but I think that's probably the most likely matchup defensively that you're going to see tonight from the Aggies. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think that's, uh, that's where the situation's going to be. And You did ask about my prediction. Um, oh, boy. I, I, I'll tell you this. <laughs> Boise State's going to come out swinging away, and they're going to take – I mean, they're going to probably take the first best look they get, and, if it, and they're probably going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to probably take a lot of threes, I would imagine. Transition's going to be very important for them to get going on the run. If they can get a couple of threes, if they can get an alley-oop to Alston Jr., if they can get some kind of a big block or a, a defensive stop on a runaway break for, uh, you know, that, you know, they, they take on an 8-0 or 10-0 run, um, don't be surprised. Do not be shocked. Like, it honestly could happen. Again, it's all about energy. It's all about the juice. It's all about just having the adrenaline rush in you, and it's going to come early for the Broncos. Um, I still think the Aggies win this one, and I think it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, I have my score being uh, <laughs> I have my score being 78-71 Utah State. Mm, interesting. See, I, I think it'll be a rock fight as well, and I, I think it'll actually be a little scoring. Um, I've got Utah State in this one. I think it'll be close, though. I, I was thinking 65-61, to 61, uh, thinking about this game. Um, Boise State is favored by a point and a half. Uh, certainly uh, having fans and being at home, that, that makes a difference. These are two really good teams. Um, but uh, Utah State has historically played well in Boise, except for that crazy debacle and crazy end of the game uh, a year ago. Uh, but uh, normally Craig Smith does well and gets his teams ready to play in Boise. So uh, I, I still like the Aggies uh, in this one tonight. Uh, by the way, a couple hey. of texts have come through. Mm-hmm. 9315. It's hard for Anjay to walk with all that cheese in his backpack for Boise fans. <laughs> and uh, 9315 also adds, only Anjay is talking about split again. <laughs> And is Nevada a blueprint for the Aggies to follow to sweep them? Uh, I don't know. Like Boise State scares me enough. I'm only focused on Boise State right now. I'll worry about Nevada on Saturday. Well, no, Nevada swept Boise State. So what they? Did oh, to oh, sorry. Oh, I miss. I misread. Oh, I misread your question. I apologize. Uh, jeez. Oh, um. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think they'll look at all sorts of film. Like UNLV gave Boise State troubles. Colorado State gave Boise State a lot of trouble. And they're going to be watching all sorts of film to kind of get an idea of of uh, of uh, uh, and of what I guess a game plan could be. But know this: 
San Diego State gave the Aggies trouble there in Game 2. Um, Colorado State gave us a ton of trouble. UNLV ran us out of their own gym. So I guarantee you Boise State is doing the exact same thing as Utah State would be doing. It's all about the adjustments within the game itself, right? Like, we're talking about two, with Brian Dutcher, two of the best coaches in the league. Rice and Coach Smith. Like, Rice is a really good coach. Just can't win the, like, win the last game is what they would say. Can't win the most important game. Uh, but, and we all know who Craig Smith is. We all know what his resume looks like. Like, two of the best coaches in the biz. And these two are going to be playing chess the whole entire night. With lineups, substitutions, play calling. You're going to see it. You watch carefully and it's going to be, you know, okay, yeah, you move your bishop. I'm going to move my pawn. You move your queen, I'm going to move this. Like It's just going to be all that all night long. Expect it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, it's going to be really fun to watch um, what uh, what these adjustments get made through the game as it plays out. Uh, by the way, 3-4-2-6 texts in, Ajay's day sounds like Boise State night is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. But, and you know what the good thing is, is that, they're going to do it in front of 900 fans and how many television viewers. I did mine in front of like, I don't know, 50 people. Are you sure? Was it captured on video and posted on social media somewhere? I, like, I'm waiting for it to show up. I'm waiting for it to show up. And it'll go viral. And here's the hey, thing, though. Because I was wearing Aggie gear. Fall on his face. And walk dude, into that And because like, I was an Aggie fan, no one asked if I was okay. No one checked on me. No one, you know, came to see if I was going to be all right or if I needed anything. No one ever looked like, they just like, oh, it's a naggy, it's a naggy guy. Good, good, <laughs> he deserves it. It's an naggy guy, he deserves it. Uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, want to continue to get your uh, predictions if you uh, want to weigh in. We'd love to get your, your, your keys, I guess. What you think should be uh, the, the key things for Utah State to take care of tonight to get a win and what you think the score prediction is going to be, what your score prediction is, 435-339-0321. We've had a few suggestions come in. 9315 says 63-58 to 58 for the Aggies. That's and a good one. 3426 says 72-63 to 63 for the and Aggies. And I think it's closer to that one. Yep. See, I think it's going to be – I think it'll be a close, close score. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, coming up here next on the Full Court Press, what are the others saying about the Mountain West? What is Utah State's position in the latest bracketology from various different lo- uh, publications? What are they saying? Are there still, you know, a few weeks ago, was it just last week or two weeks ago, a lot of publications saying, yeah, the Mountain West has four teams in. Have they held to that same mentality, or is it back to three? Who's in? Who's out? We'll update you on that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Love to get your predictions, your keys tonight. Big matchup for the Aggies in Boise. A game will be tipping off at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, they'll have their pregame coverage on our sister station, KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM, starting at 6. A full one-hour pregame. Then we'll have uh, Logan High basketball, Logan High at Bear River. 
And then uh, after the Aggie game is done, Al, Jalen, John Russell, they'll be back on the air breaking it down what happened and to see what the thoughts are about the next one coming up on Friday. Uh, if you want to weigh in your predictions for tonight's game or your keys, 435-339-0321. Uh, says, the biggest key for USU to win is great defensive game. Hey, Eric, let me ask you something. Uh, you know, we talk about this could be a rock fight, a dog fight. Do you think the refs allow them to play? Or do you think that they tighten this thing up a little bit so things maybe don't get too testy? That's a good question. Um, with fans there and maybe they get raucous and exciting, maybe they um, – I don't know. It's hard to know. It's – I don't know that there's been a different style of officiating in games with fans and games without. Because um, we've seen games where Utah State can kind of play through a lot of things and refs just let them play. Uh, but then we've also seen some games where the refs like to insert themselves and let everybody know that they're there and what their authority is. So uh, it's a kind of a crapshoot, honestly. I don't know. They might be a little bit more quick to the whistle with with loud and raucous fans there, but I really don't know, AJ. Hard to predict. Yeah, that's the problem, and we don't know who the officials yet. I would imagine that based on the series and the games and what the meaning of it is, they'll probably have some of your higher-tier Mountain West Conference officials. And I'd like to see Dave Hall. I would like to see uh, Vern Harris. Um, give me I mean, at least one of those two guys just to kind of keep things level-headed. Uh, and not let the officials take over this game because they, they kind of understand the meaning and, and who these two teams are. That could play a big factor in, in, in how this game is played tonight, though. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and uh, if it is a game where there's a lot of free throws, um, you know, Utah State, looking at uh, where they're at with free throw percentage, they are fifth in the league with their free throw percentage, and uh, Boise State is second. Um with their free throw percentage. So not a bad free throw shooting team. They're 65th overall in the country, uh, while the Aggies are uh, 132nd in the country. So um, if it comes down to what happens at the free throw line, Boise State may have a little bit of an edge. But Utah State likes to play a game where they they force the issue. Their style forces teams to – to put the Aggies on the line. When the Aggies are shooting a lot of free throws, that's a a good sign for them – Running this, their style of offense like they like they like to. Hey, who would who would hurt more if their stars got in foul trouble? Utah State with Demiash Keta or Boise State with Derek Olson Jr. Uh, Utah State with Demiash Keta. Me, yeah, I'm with you. That's what scares me too, because Demiash has not been great about staying out of foul trouble. That that worries me a lot about tonight. Yeah, I, I think that Boise State has proven they have. Uh, multiple guys who can score in double figures and take over for stretches. Um, and uh, it, it's not all on Derek Alston Jr. I don't feel like Utah State is all on uh, Nimiish Keta either, but there is a difference when he's not in the game. And uh, uh, there are guys who've had their moments, but um, I, I don't know that I would trust that the Aggies would be fine with Nimi on the bench for a really long stretch. Yeah, yeah, and... and- and I think Dorius will be better, but I don't know if he can if he can provide 
the week that they would have on the defensive side and, of course, on the offensive side of just of dealing with so many guys. Or I mean, just the production that Mishketa brings on the court is, is so major for Utah State, and, that, and he's a threat, too, when he has the ball in his hands um, on the block. It just cannot have him get in foul trouble. He's got to stay clean tonight, at least until early second half. Can't pick up foul number three until maybe 15... 12-minute mark in the second half. Yeah, his ability to stay on the court is a huge impact. We know his impact offensively, but most especially defensively. And I agree with 9315. It needs to be Utah State imposing their will defensively to grind it out, to make it slow, to make Boise State feel like they're playing in mud, uh, molasses, uh, just to they, they can't get out in, uh, in the open court and, and run. Uh, and I think that will work to Utah State's advantage tremendously, especially since Utah State hasn't played in so long. One thing that you can control is how well you play your defense until your offense starts to come along. And, and we've seen this too, Ajay, when Utah State defense starts cooking and starts creating turnovers and, and uh, deflections, that usually leads to good offense, and then the offense, everything else starts to really flow for the Aggies. Yeah, getting in rhythm quickly. A, a big uh, Brock Miller need him to shoot well tonight, spread the court offensively. If he can shoot well and and put some pressure on this defense to stretch themselves more than they would like, I like Utah State's chances. Need him to shoot well. Really, really good tonight. Yeah, but and we've seen. when It makes a big difference. If he can get a shot early, he's going to be good for the whole game. Um, and so being able to work in, even if it's a, a structured set play, Designed for him to get a good, easy look. Uh, I think that makes a big difference for how things go the rest of the the rest of the night yeah. for Brock. Absolutely, Miller. absolutely. All right, so love to continue to get the uh, uh, the predictions for tonight. Your score predictions: four three five three three nine zero three two one, or uh, your keys for tonight's game for the Aggies. Um, and uh, but I, I guess we'll we'll switch it a little bit, but. I think the uh, what went wrong Wednesday is still tied to this series, AJ, with uh, some of the um, the clamoring and the jumping up and down and what about me um, kind of childish behavior coming out of Boise over the last two weeks. <laughs> you know what's crazy is um, there was uh, BJ Rain's article was I mean the Idaho Press newspaper sitting on my on my uh, desk today and when I got to my hotel room and BJ Rain's articles in there about the 900 fans and they showed some of the comments from uh, Twitter people from Boise State and and whatnot and dude they feel like they didn't do anything wrong they feel like they're in the right the whole entire time they feel like they've been this was a valid argument and that this was all Utah State's fault for some reason whatever Somehow this is all Utah State's fault. It is amazing. Like, they honestly think that they did nothing wrong, Eric. That is nuts. Well, right. And uh, next hour you'll hear my conversation with BJ. And there's a – it seems to be a convenient forgetfulness that UNLV also said no to going to this different venue. But uh, everything is, is directed to John Hartwell in Utah State saying it's the height of hypocrisy that the Aggies allow fans and they wouldn't allow Boise State an opportunity to play in front of their fans. 
And so they're losing sight of some of the other really issues that Hartwell detailed on our show about what their concerns were about playing in a different venue one night and then having to go to a different venue another night. Yeah, how do you not like how do you not comprehend that? How do you not say, wait, that doesn't make sense? I can see why Utah State would not want to do that. I like <laughs> it just blew my mind. And so I didn't want to ask anybody, like when I got to Boise, I should have just asked people, hey, what do you think about not having games, you know, or not uh, playing in Napa and then playing back here? Or what do you think about Utah State as a whole right now? I, I should have asked people. I just told them I'm from UNLV. I just want an unbiased opinion. Has the events of the last two weeks, have they created um, a, a stronger rivalry between Utah State and Boise yes. State where they are oh, the yes. primary rival in basketball? Or, yeah. or who would you say Utah State's primary rival is in the Mountain West? No, it's Boise State. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. You know, and these battles that they've had at Boise State uh, have been classic games. I mean, we're talking overtime games, seventeen point blown leads in three minutes. Uh, just and and back in you know when Al, the great legendary voice Al Lewis was calling games. I, I remember hearing his radio call at Taco Bell Arena, uh, and some of the games they're able to get by against Boise State, like. And, and now with all this that has gone on in the last week and a half, two weeks, it's just, it's like it's amped it up to a notch that we never thought we would touch. And I, I just cannot emphasize to you enough, Eric, because I drove into this town. This place is decorated with Boise State stuff. This city, this town uh, is ready to go tonight. They are dying, salivating, and just amped for this series against the Aggies. They want this one so badly. It's not even funny. And by the way, tickets are gone. They were gone uh, early yesterday. As soon as they released them, um, there was, uh, I, I, I guess someone uh, was upset because they're a longtime se- like season ticket holder for like 20 years, and they didn't get any. That's what the line is like for tickets right now for this series. And that's game one. They have not sold Game 2 tickets yet because they won't until tomorrow. That is what we're dealing with over here in Boise State. It's, it's nuts. I can't even I can't ex- describe it to you. Uh, hopefully you guys will get a good feel of it as you watch it on TV tonight. I would say certainly during the WAC days, uh, Nevada was a primary rival of Utah State, even when Boise State was still in the WAC. Because basketball, they were really a non-factor. Uh, early days of the Mountain West, I think Nevada was still uh, one of the primary rivals. San Diego State has developed into more of a rivalry because it's more of a back and forth. It was one-sided for so long. But uh, I think the way things have started to play out uh, over the last year or two, I think Boise State is emerging as more uh, of a rivalry there. And I think part of it was Tim Durier leaving to go there. Uh, I think that their basketball program has, has improved. They've had some some close contests against the Aggies. Um, but uh, I, I, I see the events of these last week and a half or so is, as, as fun and as uh, theater to enjoy, but I still don't feel like Boise State is the primary rival in the Mountain West for the Aggies. I, I feel like it has shifted well, more towards San Diego State. Well, here's the thing, too, is I've got to be careful how I say this because I'm not him. But I feel like Coach Dutcher and Coach Smith have a ton of mutual respect for each other. 
for what their teams have done, for how they could be able to compete against each other. The last two years have been the Mount West Conference Championship. Uh, I honestly feel that Coach Smith and Coach Rice don't have that mutual feeling for each other. They might say it to the media, but in the end, those two aren't going out to dinner with each other and, and, and sharing a milkshake. That ain't happening. One, one milkshake um, with two straws? Yes, bendy straws, by the way. <laughs> uh, there, I don't think there's a lot of love lost between these two coaches. Very not, little, actually. I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. And I think that Coach Rice makes some comments that seem confusing to a lot of Aggie fans as well, which certainly uh, makes it makes you scratch your head a little bit on other topics as well. But uh, nonetheless, it's going to be an exciting showdown. Uh, speaking to Keys, I uh, got a few more that were texted into the program. 3426. Uh, keys to the game, staying out of emotional foul trouble. Utah State's yes. guards playing bigger and better than their guard play. And then uh, kind of continuing on that theme, turnovers, 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 especially live ball turnovers. And then uh, sounds like bulletin board information towards Utah State because you've already played UNLV. That ship has passed. As hmm. to why the focus is on the Aggies and not UNLV, though both teams, both schools, vetoed the idea of going to the Idaho Center. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. We're on to Boise. Yeah, and Boise is on to Utah State, so that's why the attention is on the Aggies this week. Sure, yep. All right, we're going to call another timeout here in the Full Court Press. We'll shift gears away from the Aggies. We'll get back to it next hour, so stick around. But uh, there are some other exciting things happening. Utah Jazz, they have a game tonight against the Clippers, who is and is not available. And uh, also some big news about Quinn Snyder, though it's not official, but it's pretty much official. Uh, we'll talk about that and uh, get into uh, the bracketology about what some of those uh, national publications are saying about the Mountain West and opportunities to go to the NCAA tournament. That's coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Anche Salveson, a big showdown tonight in the Mountain West between two of the top teams, at least two of the top four teams, battling for the top spot in conference play and and really for the opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament. I, there's still some thought that uh, both Utah State and Boise State have some work left to do. Uh, well, frankly, everybody has work to do except for San Diego State, basically, where I'm, what I'm looking at with all these brackets that everybody's putting out there. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago we saw four teams uh, from the Mountain West with regularity being considered to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, right now, Ajay, it's, uh, there are only a few are saying four teams have done enough. Uh, ESPN's Joe Lunardi says that uh, all four have done enough and uh, should be going. Uh, but... Uh, it kind of varies when you look at other publications. Who is on the outside looking in? Uh, CBS, Jerry Palm, he has Boise State out. Uh, Fox Sports, uh, they have Colorado State out. Andy Katz, who puts one together for NCAA.com, he has Boise State out. Sports Illustrated, they have Colorado State out. Uh, right now, the Aggies are in all of these because they're the number one team right now in the standings. 
But uh, there's several of them that have said this, this Aggie team still has some work to do. And that's why this, this series in Boise this week is so important. And that's why a Mount West Conference tournament is so important, Eric. We have to have a conference tournament. If we don't, there's going to be some teams getting axed for no reason at all. Like, they have to be given the chance to prove themselves. And if the Aggies, for example, don't finish in first place, or if Boise State doesn't finish in first place, they're the ones going to be begging for a conference tournament. Uh, this is, it, it, you're right, this series is imperative, but... Uh, you know, looking at what the WCC is doing and the thoughts from Gonzaga and BYU, the Mount West Conference does not have that luxury right now. Lunardi has Utah State as a 12 seed. Uh, Jerry Palm has the Aggies as a 12 seed. Fox Sports has them as an 11. Andy Katz at an 11. And Sports Illustrated as a 12. You look at Bracket Matrix, who looks at all of these brackets and then does a, what your average score is. They've got Utah State as a 12. San Diego State as a 9. Boise as an 11. And Colorado State as a 12. So this is this is a really important series for Utah State, who, frankly, they need some more quad one wins. This would be their, their last and only chance to do it, I guess outside of perhaps what you might be able to do in the conference tournament if it does happen. Utah State currently at 2-2 two and two against teams that are uh, in quad one um, range. Boise State, they're at 2-2 two and two as well. So it's important for both teams to get – those uh, a, a good win on their and another good win on their resume, um, so I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think it'll be a close matchup tonight. Yeah, it's both these games will be barn burners. Uh, I think you you should be shocked if either of these games finishes outside of single digits in the final result. You should be shocked. Whether, I mean, whether it's the Aggies or Broncos, you should be absolutely shocked. These are two well-coached teams, two well-matched teams. they got great benches that come off and are very productive. Uh, I'm excited to see what Ray J. Dennis, the uh, Dennis kid, can do against Ashworth. I'm really, really excited about that matchup. Um, Austin Jr. and Bean and, and just what that inside matchup will look like with those two guys. Uh, and then, of course, like, of course, like we've already talked about, Smith versus Rice. Again, two guys who will play a great game of chess. Expect a lot of adjustments, things that you maybe uh, expect the unexpected from those two guys as the uh, game one and game two go on. Switching quickly to the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder looks like he is going to coach the Western Conference at the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, as is typical, uh, the, the timeline of selecting the coach, who has the best record as of two weeks before the All-Star Game, that is Quinn Snyder, no matter what happens this week against the Clippers, because um, Frank Vogel would be ineligible because he coached it last year. But uh, first of all, just how exciting is that for Quinn to get that kind of recognition and for the Utah Jazz? Yeah, you know, I've always kind of thought, like I felt bad for Quinn when Gordon Hayward left because Quinn thought he had developed, and he actually was vocal about it, Quinn thought he had developed a really close relationship with Gordon Hayward in so much because Quinn is a very extremely intensely private guy, very private about his life. But after Gordon Hayward had his first kid, uh, him and Quinn bonded a lot just over that and, and uh, about family life and about what, you know, who they were out off the court and outside of the Vivint Smart Home Arena. And when Gordon Hayward wrote that letter, which was practically a love letter to Brad Stevens, it hurt Quinn. Like, that stuck a wrong chord into Quinn. He wondered what he had done wrong for all that time, and he never did. 
He never did one thing wrong. It was just Gordon Hayward's ego. It was his conscience. It was his wife. I mean, it's so many reasons to it. For him to get this recognition to be the first Utah Jazz coach since 1984 to coach an All-Star game, pretty damn cool. Uh, I am elated for Coach Snyder. And if you're these big stars, LeBron James, Devin Booker, uh, Jokic, Anthony Davis, or I, mean, I guess he ain't going to play anyway, um, you should look forward to the opportunity to be around Quinn because you're going to see a different side of him, a, a, a funnier side, a guy who likes to joke. He has a great sense of humor. Um, but you're going to see some, I mean, you'll be able to see some of the, the, the maniac coach of Quinn Snyder, right? Uh, hidden developing plays or whatever and just picking his brain. And a guy like LeBron James, who has become a student of the game, unlike anybody else in the modern era of basketball, should salivate over that opportunity. Uh, and so I hope that these all-stars, these big-name guys, are excited about doing that. To be able to, like, they may not want to be there, I get it, but the chance to, to, to work with Quinn Snyder should be exciting because I know Coach Snyder is thrilled to do it. Isn't it nuts the, that Jerry Sloan and his tremendous career and all of his years oh, dude, coached an all-star dude. game? I don't know what bothers me more. The fact that he never coached an all-star game or the fact that he never won coach of the year. Like, I, I'm not sure which one bothers me more because the all-star game would have been a great thing for him, uh, a great thing to be a part of for him. He deserved it. And it's a shame. It's an absolute shame he never got that opportunity. It oh, disgusts me. All right, Ajay, we're going to let you go. We know you got some duties to take care of there in Boise on uh, trying to you know, not fall on your face. Oh, doll. And, Dude, uh, that's, please that's don't. Oh, man. I swear to life, if someone filmed that and they put it out on Twitter, I'm deleting my account. I'm deleting all social media, and I'm quitting my radio show. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. Uh, last word here from the text line real quickly uh, from 3426. If we win these two games against Boise State, we should be a bigger lock than San Diego State because you've won five of six conference games, the teams at question, to be in the NCAA tournament. Great point. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure, but then if, if if San Diego State sweeps Boise State next week too, then I mean you're just kind of you're kind of playing uh, what you know flip flop with each other. So yeah, you know that's a good point. I just win, baby. but look, yeah, exactly. We got to take take care of game one tonight here in Extra Mile Arena. That's what they got to do. All right, thanks, Ajay. Good luck. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't fall down. Head on a swivel. <laughs> I hate. <laughs> All right. Uh, more about the uh, NBA All Star. Some of the festivities. Well, excuse me. The announcements. When to expect some of those announcements about who will be participating. That should be happening this week. We'll update you on that coming up next to the Full Court Press. Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Uh, as we mentioned, it looks like Quinn Snyder is going to be coaching the Western Conference. Uh, no official announcement from the NBA as of yet, but uh, expect to see more official announcements tomorrow. Starters for next month's All-Star Game will be announced during the TNT coverage tomorrow night. And remember, it's the, the starters are determined by three different factors. Uh, fan voting is 50% of the vote. Media voting is 25%. And player voting is 25%. Uh, the seven reserve spots which are voted on by the coaches in each conference, that'll be announced next Tuesday on TNT. So whether the Jazz get one, two, maybe even three All-Stars may not be known for about another week, but it uh, looks like uh, 
Quinn Snyder is going to be the new uh, the head coach for this year's All Star Game, and deservedly so. The Jazz are the fourth best offensive rating in the NBA, second best defensive rating. They have the best net rating. Uh, the only team that resides in the top five in both offensive and defensive ratings. Uh, Phoenix Suns currently the only other team in the top ten in both categories. So uh, Utah Jazz on a tear. Uh, they do have face this, uh, the uh, LA Clippers tonight. Um, but uh, coming up next hour, we'll get a little more details about you know, who is or isn't available. Uh, looks like um, uh, Mike Connolly is still listed as uh, questionable, which is an upgrade uh, from you know, where he was uh, listed uh, earlier. But um, we know that there have been some players for the Clippers that have been out, and so we'll give you an update on who is available and who isn't. And we'll also get more from the coaches about tonight's matchup in Boise. From We'll hear from both Coach Smith and Coach Leon Rice and an extended conversation with B.J. Raines. He's a beat writer for the Idaho Press and BlueTurfSports.com about all the drama leading up to the, tonight's matchup and how uh, Boise is defying a local health order. And uh, they're excited to have uh, fans there and uh, how that's all come together and, and a lot of the uh, the frustration and, and uh, frankly, hate directed towards Utah State right now. It's kind of entertaining, to be honest. Uh, but uh, more about the matchups and what we could see tonight in a really big showdown in the Mountain West Conference. So stick around. Coming up next hour, the conversation with B.J. Reigns and the coaches as we continue to get closer to the big matchup in the Mountain West. Right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Andre Salveson is hanging out in Boise. He'll be there in person to watch the Aggies take on the Broncos. We'll hear his report tomorrow and how everything went for uh, for that game. A really big showdown in the Mountain West. Two of the uh, uh, top teams in the conference scoring off against each other. And uh, right now Utah State is ranked number one. Uh, but technically, I guess the way the percentages work out, Boise State is kind of in a tie with the Aggies. Uh, Utah State is 11 and two. Boise State is 12 and three. Utah State had three games get uh, canceled or postponed. Um, so Boise State has more games played, and this is a big, big showdown between the top teams in the conference, which could put a lot on the line about who gets the invitation to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, certainly, there's a lot that has to happen before then, still, but an important matchup for both teams with uh, where they are with their current net rankings and uh, their uh, level of competition that they've had so far. It's important for both of them. So uh, we'll see how it plays out on CBS Sports Network tonight. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. Al Lewis pregame coverage starting at 6. And then uh, he'll he'll uh, step aside for Logan High at Bear River. Uh, and then when that game is over, he'll be back on the air with Jalen Moore and John Russell to break down what took place. Here on The Fan tonight, we got the high school basketball game on tap as well. We've got the Skyview Bobcats hosting the Green Canyon Wolves and Skyview trying to stay up on the net, excuse me, the RPI and stay at least a chance to tie, to have control of the Region 11 standings, currently tied with Ridgeline. But we'll have the pregame coverage starting around 645 here on the fan with Hurricane John Newbold. 
And then the other game to uh, watch uh, tonight is the uh, Ridgeline uh, Riverhawks. Uh, they are at Mountain Crest tonight. Uh, Mountain Crest still trying to find uh, some rhythm, trying to finish out strong. They've had some games they have been a little bit closer, but uh, Ridgeline is also trying to stay motivated to hold on to at least a share of the region title. So a lot of fun games on tap tonight. We'll have them on various different radio stations along the uh, Cache Valley Media Group and our radio station affiliates. But Skyview Green Canyon here on the fan, uh, Logan Bear River on KVNU, and uh, 104.9 FM in Box Hill, the county. Uh, the Green Canyon Skyview game will also be on 100.9 FM. And then Ridgeline and Mountain Crest heard on 104.5, the ranch in Cache County and 107.7 FM. So a lot of different places to follow along with these games tonight. But the biggest game of the night we're going to be paying attention to, Utah State at Boise State. Um, there's also the Aggies, excuse me, the, the Jazz play at the Clippers. Uh, we will join that game in progress here tonight on here on the fan. That game starts at 8. Uh, by the way, it looks like uh, Paul George is uh, out. Nicholas Batum is considered to be out tonight. For the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard is questionable, and Mike Connolly is questionable as of the uh, most recent update on injuries. So that was uh, earlier, earlier in the day. As we get closer, they'll be a little bit more definitive. But uh, Jazz with a big showdown on the road against the Clippers in a, in a series of games uh, Wednesday and Friday night. But for the Aggies taking on Boise State, there's been a lot of controversy leading up to this game. And uh, one of the guys that's been reporting a lot of it, referencing comments made on our program as well, is B.J. Raines. And uh, had a chance to catch up with him earlier today to preview the matchup and the drama leading up to this series up in Boise this week. There's certainly been a lot of uh, controversy leading up to the matchup, and we'll talk about the matchup itself. But, uh, boy, this is a saucy little rivalry developing here between Utah State and Boise State. And some of it doesn't even have to do with the players themselves. Uh, or the coaches, but uh, we'll find out a little bit more detail about everything that's been going on between these two schools in the lead-up to uh, the events taking place uh, in Boise this week between two of the top teams in the Mountain West in uh, what's been going on in basketball. B.J. Reigns has been on the front lines covering a lot of these details in Boise. He's a beat writer for the Broncos for Idaho Press and the uh, BlueTurfSports.com. Always does a great job covering Boise State. He's been a friend of the program. Thanks for your time, BJ, for joining us here today and trying to make sense of what's been going on leading up to this. A lot of controversy coming into this matchup tonight in in Boise, and really kind of started more than a week ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much time we. I don't even know if we have time to get to all of it. It's been a crazy uh, ten days or so, and and I definitely agree that the uh, rivalry between Utah State and Boise State is certainly growing based on the social media comments and accusations and things like that. I, I guess the Cliff Notes version is, you go back about uh, two weeks or so, Boise State really wanted to have uh, some fans in the arena. They've played in front of no fans all season. They got it approved to have like uh, 12 family members and uh, I mean, literally 12 people um, total of like family members and uh, players, uh, you know, parents and stuff could come to uh, a couple of games. They basically had no fans, no parents for no nothing in an empty arena the whole season. Um, Central District Health, uh, the uh, health advisory you know, board that oversees Ada County where the games are, um, says you cannot have more than 50 people 
in the games. And they tried to work with them and tried to see if they would let them uh, go bigger, and, and they basically said no. So the new athletic director, Jeremiah Dickey, kind of his first you know, semi-controversial move quietly behind the scenes was working to move the games out of the county to about 20 minutes away in Nampa, Idaho, to the Idaho Center. They have like the you know uh, PBR bull riding and the, the rodeo out there and the monster truck shows. And it's a decent arena. It seats about 10,000 people. Um, but uh, it is, you know, a different county and they have different regulations and they had a plan together to have about 1,500 fans for those games. Now, Boise State never announced this. I, I got this from support some sources and kind of reported it myself that they were looking to do this. And when it comes down to it, my sources said that uh, UNLV and Utah State were the uh, reasons it did not happen. It got approved by everybody. The Mountain West said, hey, uh, you guys decide where the game's going to be. We can't decide that, um, but the other schools do have to agree. And Utah State and UNLV both said, no, we're not doing that, as the uh, AD has come out and said uh, publicly on the radio there in Logan. So um, that, that's why it didn't happen. They, a lot of the Boise State fans didn't think that the reasons were proper for, for Utah State's AD to be denying it. Um, they, they thought that it was a competitive thing, and they thought it was pretty hypocritical that Utah State plays with fans in the stands, and yet they didn't want to um, you know, play with fans in the stands on the road against Boise State. So a lot of the fans were mad about that. Um, and it, there's a lot of different layers to it. But in the end, they put a plan together kind of from that you know, moving forward and were able to get 900 fans for tonight's game and for Friday's game. So there will be 900 fans um, in uh, Extra Mile Arena for these two games. Uh, so the whole thing led to led to Boise State kind of getting what they wanted, which is some fans in there for tonight's game. So um, with that, I, I know that John Hartwell said some things on our program that uh, shared his opinion about why he didn't feel like it made sense to go to one venue one day and then go to a different venue on another day. And in concerns about... It hasn't hosted a, that venue hasn't hosted a collegiate game yet this year, but it does have a history of hosting big events, as you've detailed, and they've they've hosted NIT games and, and other uh, college basketball events. So certainly, as a venue, it's qualified to host these uh, events. But uh, it seems like the uh, the controversy has been focused that that uh, the opinion in Boise is that. Utah State didn't want to make the move because they didn't want to allow fans uh, for Boise State, not so much on the venue itself and switching venues. Is that a, a fair assessment? Yes, and the reason, and, and the other reason I know that, that John Hartwell said he didn't want to have two venues for two different games, the problem was they have the state high school girls basketball tournament in there starting tomorrow. So it, the arena was not available on Friday uh, for Friday night's game due to the state high school basketball tournament being in there. So... They, what Boise State wanted to do was do it for both games against UNLV uh, last week and then the first game uh, tonight against um, Utah State. And, yes, that, that frankly is what it is. The Boise State fans, uh, I think even some within the – can guarantee you, some within the Boise State administration, whether it's coaches, the athletic director, who else, I think the opinion uh, from some within the, the program also was that it was just a little hypocritical that um, they, they – you know, turned this down, this opportunity for Boise State to have fans when Utah State is the only team in the league that has fans for their games. And, and yes, they, they, my understanding is all Mountain West protocols, the Mountain West guidelines, if you're going to have fans, uh, if you're going to host a game with fans, there's certain protocols and guidelines that Utah State has to follow in Logan. All of those guidelines were being met at the Fort Idaho Center. So they, they had a plan in place with health officials, medical officials involved, 
and they were meeting all protocols and standards. The game uh, from Mountain West standards uh, was, you know, perfectly fine to be played. They, they were going to meet all protocols, do everything. They had. It wasn't like they were just showing up at some random arena and that there was going to be a risk uh, for the players involved any more than any other game. It would be exactly the same, in my understanding, as the plan they put together to have the game here uh, tonight with fans. They just moved locations and got it approved. So um, that's why they, they the health and safety aspect, which I'm sure was part of it for, for Utah State, uh, maybe that was all of it, but but from the outside perspective, from Boise State, just wondering why they turned this down. I know the fact that they felt like it was a safe plan, it was a uh, unique plan to do something different. It's you know 15 minutes down the road. It's not like it's an hour drive for Utah State to play the game one night somewhere else. It's it's a very short drive, and they felt like everything was was in order and it was going to be safe and for everybody involved, and that the medical professionals had signed off on it. And like I said, it met all the Mountain West standards, so. That's why they were a little uh, confused that the uh, health and safety aspect was the one that was being used as the reason when that really was not an issue for Boise State. They met everything that they were supposed to do. And so, yeah, I mean, you get, you know how social media works and everybody, you know, just wants to take shots at people and, and all that kind of stuff. But it, it did uh, frustrate, you know, Boise State, I think, a little bit, fans, everybody else, that, that, that the one team that stopped this from happening was the one team that has fans at their home games. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of added some spice to this. And, you know, that kind of spurred things because after that happened, the State Board of Education, uh, in conjunction with the governor's office, came out a couple days ago and said uh, for the rest of the winter sports school year, the four four-year colleges in Idaho can have up to 40% capacity, which inside Extra Mile Arena would be almost 5,000 people. But um, the, the, Idaho, the Ada County, you know, regulations, they said, no, 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 we, we take precedence. You still cannot have more than 50 even though uh, the, the governor's office is saying it's okay. You know, I guess the local uh, things supersede the, the state things. So um, Boise State is actually you know, defying a, breaking a public health order to do this tonight. Uh, the public health order still says 50 people is the maximum, um, but Boise State put a plan together. They showed the, the Central District Health people what it was. They said, we like your plan, but we can't officially endorse this. Um, and so Boise State is still technically breaking a public health order tonight to have 900 fans of the game, which is kind of interesting given everything going on. But they think they're doing it safely. They think uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, something they're comfortable doing, and we'll see how it turns out tonight. B.J. Rains, he is a beat writer for the Broncos for the Idaho Press and BlueTurfSports.com. Uh, just a moment ago, you said that it seemed hypocritical from the point of view from Boise officials that Utah State was the only school to do put a kibosh on this uh, plan uh, where they are, they allow fans and no one else does, but UNLV also voted against uh, going over to the Idaho center. Why aren't they getting so much negative press and negative attention? Why is it so focused on Utah state? I think, well, first of all, the Utah state AD is the one that's come out publicly and talked about it. Um, I, we haven't heard anything from the UNLV AD, so I think the fact that the Utah State AD is on the record talking about it, I think, was was one of the reasons, and the, the fan aspect. You know, you, you know, UNLV doesn't have fans either at their home games, so I think it's a little easier to say, okay, well, they're not having them at their home games. They don't, you know, see that it should be happen on the road. Um, I think that's probably part of it too. Um, I, I think it's a combination of the Utah State AD publicly giving his reasons why. Um, and then um, also the fact that you know Utah State does have fans at their home games. So uh, yeah, UNLV certainly was a part of this. Uh, Utah, as John Hartwell said on your show, that he talked to UNLV. So who knows, you know, how that that part of it played out. And if, but um, you know, and again, it was only going to be for one of the Utah State games. I wonder if it was going to be for both, and you couldn't have the 
then you change excuse. If that would have been, maybe John Hartwell would have been okay with it at that point. If they said both games are going to be out there, I, I don't know. Um, but as you said, I mean, this is an arena that's hosted NIT games. It's hosted the G League or whatever the league was before that. Um, and it's going to, you know, it's going to have over 2,000 fans in there for the girls' state high school basketball tournament this weekend. And they would have had, you know, 1,500 for the basketball. So, um, again, I, I only see the small portion of fans that are on social media. And those of you, as you know, usually the most vocal and the most crazy <laughs> ones. Yes. Um, and, and so I don't know that the root of it, but I do know that I think the combination of the Utah State already having fans where UNLV doesn't, uh, and the fact that the UNLV or the UNLV AD really hasn't said anything to, you know, uh, one way or the other to make your, your thinking think that way is probably, probably why. And frankly, I think, uh, Boise State fans just have more hatred probably or more whatever with utah state as a bigger rival than a unlv when it comes to some of the football battles they've had in basketball i just think it's more of a um more of a rivalry than unlv so it's easier for them to collapse onto their side of it yeah i think that's fair enough that's absolutely true uh, let's shift gears and let, let's talk about the matchups themselves because this is a this is a saucy matchup even as it is without all the other extra stuff that we've been dealing with the last two weeks Derek Olson Jr., phenomenal season that he's had. He continues to grow. A great floor leader for Boise State. Uh, certainly a, a legitimate contender for a conference player of the year. Uh, but it, it seems like just the, some of the games that I've been able to monitor with Boise State, he's not always the guy that, that leads the team. There have been some games where there's been a guy off the bench that leads the team or somebody else in the starting lineup that has a big game. This is a really interesting uh, I guess roster for Coach Leon Rice, and he has a lot of different weapons he can go to if somebody's having an off night. Yeah, I think they're. I think the stat is they're tied for the national lead. They've had seven different players score at least nineteen points in a game this season. Wow! Um, and so um, I think that's tied with Virginia or, or somebody on the East Coast. I forget for for the, the national lead with with seven guys with at least one game of nineteen points. And so yeah, they have different guys that can go off at different times. I think Olsen did have, what, 27 in the last game against UNLV when they hung on to win by two. So he's had some big games when needed. But, yeah, he, he doesn't have to do it all himself this year. It's been a big difference. You know, last year they needed uh, Derek Olsen and Justinian Jessup to each have 25 points or they were in trouble. This year they, they don't need that. You know, and, and Derek Olsen is okay with that. He's not having to take his 20 shots a game. And, you know, he, he gets his shots, and he's shooting at a pretty good percentage this year. He's well over 40% from three. So he's making the most of his opportunities. But he's not a guy that um, – is, is um, you know, I don't say ball hogging, but, but he's not a guy that has to have, you know, his volume of shots this year. But he's letting the game come to him. They've got a lot of other guys. You know, I think I think it happened at some times in the, in the two Nevada games they lost and the one game they lost to Colorado State where they're, um, you know, I think people forget, but they're just getting all their guys back. You know, and this is like the only first four games where they've had all eight of these rotation players available, whether it be for ineligibility or injuries. They've had different guys in and out of the lineup, so they really haven't had... Uh, to deal with all eight of these guys, trying to fit them in at the same time, fit them in with minutes, and how does the playing time work and all that stuff. So the rough patch they had where they lost three out of four to Colorado State and Nevada was right when they were getting all those guys back. And I think they're working to see what combination works best and who fits with who, and that's stuff you would have liked to have done during non-conference play, but for whatever reason they just didn't get everybody eligible and didn't get all the transfers in there. And like I said, dealt with some guys with some injuries, and so they've got everybody back now, and I think in the last two games against UNLV, you started to see the rotation look better, you started to see guys learning to play with each other, and it just looked like it fit a lot better um, in the UNLV series than it had the last two weeks, and, and yeah, I mean, you're talking about 
uh, and Emmanuel Acod, who's a you know, top 25 prospect out of high school. You're talking about a, uh, you know, Abu Kijab was a four-star recruit. Devin Dutrieve, a four-star recruit. You know, you're talking about uh, Marcus Shaver, who two years in a row averaged double figures as a starter at Portland. Uh, Maladin Armis, you know, was uh, averaging, you know, eight and seven or something at East Tennessee State as a big guy. So you've got not only high-level, you know, top 25 type, top 100 players that were at power schools like Arizona and Oregon transferring in, and then you've got other guys that you know, have been major producers at other Division One schools uh, as well. And then you throw in, like I said, uh, what you know what Alston's doing, and they had a couple other guys as well, and Ray J. Dennis and Max Rice that have both contributed. So yeah, they've got eight guys they feel very confident with if, if they're in the game, but they're taking a shot. And so I think they're just getting used to making all the pieces fit and learning it. But I don't want to say it's an NBA offense, but they have a lot of guys where it's kind of a one-on-one. It's kind of like guys just get their chance and then they go one-on-one with somebody. And it's it's not a lot of like super crazy plays or anything. You'll see Abu Kijab get the ball and then everybody clears out and he just kind of backs the guy down. You'll see Akat get the ball and then some guys will you know get out of the way. And so it, it is an interesting offense where it's just a lot of very talented guys and they all are kind of getting their equal chance at this point. And, and um, the last couple of games, it's worked out much better. You know, UNLV is a kind of a similar style of offense when Utah State played them, and they split uh, in, in that series. And uh, Boise State just saw UNLV, took care of them in Game 1, a much closer game in Game 2. Uh, now they've had a common opponent. Uh, any kind of similarities you think that uh, Boise State could take advantage of there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting. And Boise State says this, and, and I know it, it's easier said than done, but Boise State really does focus on themselves. I mean, it's not like they don't scout. They obviously scout. They obviously put a lot of effort in on the opponents, and they're very aware of, of Utah State. But a lot of Boise State this year, when they're good, they're doing what they do good good. And when they're struggling, they do what they do bad. So I think the key for Boise State is just they're a team that relies on playing extremely hard, uh, especially on the defensive end, and rebounding is a huge key, and I know that's been big for Utah State this year, so I think rebounding is going to be a huge key to this series. But, um, I mean, there's some certain they're watching tape, and I'm certain there's some things that they can do to do that. I mean, it was really hit Bryce Hamilton uh, just, you know, willing them in both those games. He had, you know, I think first game 26 points, he had 24 in the second half, and then he was doing some things in the second game too, and, um, and so I think for Boise State, they just, you know, they've got to do what they do well, and that's move the ball. Um, you know, I mentioned it's kind of this one-on-one style sometimes, but, but in reality it's ball movement that leads to guys being in, in spots for one-on-one action. So um, they've got to have good ball movement, and they've got to rebound, and they've got to play well defensively. And um, You know, foul trouble has been an issue for them at times, but they've actually got a pretty deep bench, so it hasn't been a huge problem for them. Uh, in, 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 but I just think it comes down to Boise State, you know, not turning the ball over and getting out in transition and doing the things that they have kind of made staples of their team this year, uh, you know, doing that. Because in the in loss to Colorado State and some of the losses to Nevada, they just didn't look like the team that they've been. They had guys trying to do things. They didn't move the ball, and they, they struggled, you know, in a lot of areas. So I think while they'll be focused on Utah State and doing the things they can there, I think their their primary focus is just, their own selves and doing what they do to the best of their ability. And I guess my last question for you before we let you go, just uh, the having fans in the arena for the first time, I mean, that's got to be uh, pretty exciting for the for the team and for that community. It's going to provide some, I would suspect, some, some pretty exciting juice for that team as Coach Rice, and we've heard a lot of other coaches use that term, uh, a lot of juice for his team and, and some excitement and, and motivation. 
uh, having fans in the arena for the first time. That's uh, Utah State has definitely benefited from having fans there. It it makes a difference, and so uh, for I think that's exciting that Boise State has found a way to get fans there. And I think a lot of other fans around the Mountain West would be exciting too. And I, I think as a team, that's that's got to mean something for them. It's got to help them. Oh, I totally agree, and I you know. This is a. It's been disappointing for fans in the area because, and for the team because this has been the, one of the best teams in school history. They've got you know potentially multiple NBA players on the roster. I mean, the talent level this team has is not one they've had around here in a long time. And so they would have been selling out Extra Mile Arena all season long. I mean, you'd have had a packed house tonight and Friday both if they'd have been able to have fans. And so that's been the disappointing part that they finally get a team that is exciting and it would have had huge crowds and yet they haven't been able to have any. So I think it's been disappointing for, for Coach Rice and the players, but also for the fans, that they, they've you know been season ticket holders for a long time and struggled through some rough times and finally have an exciting team that uh, they want to watch and haven't been able to. So you're going to have 900 fans in there, but it's probably going to sound like 9,000. I mean, they've been waiting and waiting for a really long time to get inside Extra Mile Arena to see them. So I, I would expect it to be a very energetic and uh, you know loud crowd despite being you know less than 10 percent of the capacity so i i do think that's going to be a, a help for boise state it'll be interesting you know utah state as you mentioned has had them at home but i asked craig smith on the zoom yesterday this will be their first road game with fans and so i do think that is an interesting dynamic to, to tonight's game and i no doubt think it's going to give boise state a, a huge lift but whether that's enough to to you know stop uh, Kata and and being in these guys and, and pick up a win, I think, is a whole different story. It should be a really exciting series, exciting, and tonight's the key night, especially for Boise State. They really have to win tonight uh, in terms of the at-large bid and first place and all that stuff. And I had a huge night. At least they know we're going to split in the series. And, um, yeah, have some atmosphere in there. It feel a little more like a big game, and I think that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Actually, I lied. I do have one last quick quick question for you, and it's, it is about the, the standings and the potential opportunity for multiple teams to the NCAA tournament um, uh, next month. Uh, is the, I guess what's the attitude there about multiple teams being able to go? Is it is it a three-team league, or is there you really think it could be sending four teams to the NCAA tournament? Well, obviously a lot to still shake out, you know, and in terms of which games get made up and things like that, and the Mountain West has a uh, you know, dilemma on their hands in terms of what they want to do. You know, Leon Rice has been very vocal. He does not think all 11 teams should go to Las Vegas for the conference tournament. He thinks the conference tournament should be cut down and that they should uh, do what is best to protect the top four teams. And so whether that is going to a six-team tournament or an eight-team tournament, whether that's giving the top two seeds, you know, buys all the way to the semifinals like the WCC does, whether it's moving the tournament to the home sites or to the league champion sites, uh, you know, he, he just does not think that it makes sense for 11 teams. And Leon Rice is all about trying to get as many teams in the tournament as he can, obviously his, his team included. So um, I still think there's an opportunity for four teams. I think that Colorado State, I saw Joe Lenardi said, you know, whoever lost the game tonight would be out and, and, and Colorado State would move into the field. And so uh, those three teams in San Diego State are certainly battling for spots. I think Boise State, like I said, probably needs to win three of their next four. You know, they play the two home games against Utah State, and then they go on the road to San Diego State next week for two. I think they need to win three of the four for them to feel pretty good about where they're at. Um, and, you know, it's just going to depend what happens with the rest of these makeup games and going into the conference tournament. But I certainly think there's a real chance you can get three, and I think there's an outside. I think if I had to be a betting man, I would say three. Um, but I think there is a scenario where you could get four, depending on how it shakes out. And for a Mountain West in a league that's, you know, hasn't had five had five teams back there in 2013, and ever since it's kind of been a one or two big league. To get three or four teams in the tournament would be huge this year. 
BJ, it's always a pleasure uh, catching up with you. Uh, have fun at the games tonight. Uh, love reading your stuff on the Idaho Press and BlueTurfSports.com. Thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure, guys. Anytime. And, and yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, interesting showdown tonight uh, in Boise between uh, two really good teams. Um, one team has a lot of different guys that can beat you. and uh, But certainly, Derek Olson Jr. is the key focal point of that Boise State offense. How well can Utah State defend him and not allow anybody else to really get going? That's a big question. And how will Utah State look after so much time off? We'll hear from the coaches about those questions and some of their thoughts about the keys to the matchups tonight. What do they have to say about Utah State and Boise State? Stick around. That's coming up next right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson with you here as we continue to get ready for Utah State at Boise State. Big showdown in the Mountain West. The top teams in the conference scoring off against each other. You can see it on CBS Sports Network. Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, they'll have their pregame coverage starting at 6 on our sister station, KVNU, just 30 minutes away from now. 6.10 a.m., 102.1 FM. Watch the game on CBS Sports Network. And, or go to the high school games. We've got some fun high school games on tap tonight. And when those high school games are over, you can turn back over to KVNU and listen to Al, Jalen Moore, and John Russell break down what happened tonight. And two really good teams. You know, Utah State, they are the top team in the conference in 10 different categories, the number two team in the conference in three additional categories, uh, Boise State. They're number one in three categories, number two in seven different categories. Utah State is tops in the Mountain West in assists per game, blocked shots per game, defensive rebounds per game, field goal percentage defense, personal fouls per game, rebound margin, total assists, total blocks, total rebounds, and total rebounds per game. Utah State certainly uses their their height uh, as a real advantage um, and uh, doing a great job defending the paint, grabbing rebounds, taking away second-chance opportunities for their opponents. Boise State is tops in the conference in only three categories, in scoring offense, in turnovers per game, and one lost percentage. So uh, this is a team that uh, can, can create turnovers, and, uh, that's, uh, and they don't commit too many of them. So that's got to be a real big key here. Utah State has had a bit of an issue with uh, turnovers during certain stretches this season. Um, but uh, for both teams, what it really may come down to is who has the better bench on any given night. And so Craig Smith uh, weighs in on that Boise State bench and who they have, who they'll use, what kind of challenges they might pose for Utah State tonight. Uh, they're deep, and they're really, really talented. I mean, you got a guy, you know, Emmanuel Acott, last um, I, I, I might confuse these. I think it was going into the second Nevada game. It might have been the first one, though. Um, was shooting roughly 18 or 19% from the three. And, and now, and I got their stats right in front of me. And if you saw that, I don't remember if it was the first game or the second game, but he makes three threes in the first half. And he's coming off ball screens firing like he's one of the best shooters in the country. I mean, and a lot of that is just getting used to, you know, he hadn't played for a year and a half. 
And so, you know, there was a game he played the five. He was basically like their five man. And now last weekend he's playing a ton of point guard. And, of course, he played at an AU program in Utah with XM Elite, like fantastic program. And obviously we've gotten to develop a great relationship with them. And ACOT was at Arizona. And, you know, some, it, sometimes it's just not the right fit. And he found a great fit. And he's a high-level dude. I mean, he's a five-star out of high school. And so um, uh, there's a reason for that. And so now you look at his numbers, I mean, he's shooting 42% from the three. I mean, I think that tells you a lot about, about him. And, I mean, he, he's such a good player. And Dutrieve, another Arizona transfer who, again, missed some time just because of the timing of the transfer and your year out. And that guy's an elite athlete. He's a high-level basketball player. And another guy that shoots the three, he's su he has such a burst and a great feel with the ball. He can just make so many plays for so many different people. And then they all, those guys have the versatility to play so many, to play, to guard, you know, ACOT can guard anybody on the floor and Dutrieff can guard one through three without an, without an issue. Max Rice, you can just see his improvement <clears throat> from last year to, to this year. And, and they just have so many guys. It's just hard to, to play everybody like, you know what I mean? And every game is a different entity, but he's shooting it at a high level and, Hasn't shot it quite as well here the last couple of games, but obviously he's proven that he can do that. He's a high IQ guy, really understands the game, the way he plays, the old adage, like he's a coach's kid, and that's easy to see, um, you know, on the floor uh, from that respect. So, uh, and then the Milner kid had a good weekend last weekend, right? They played big, big all weekend, and he, and he played well. So, they, they, they can just kind of, okay, your turn, your turn. And they have so much versatility to play. Like I said uh, in the opening, um, they have so much versatility to play guys in so many different positions and play so many different lineups. And that's said it my whole life. That's what good teams have. And uh, what about the uh, Coach Rice talking about the Aggie bench play and Utah State's versatility? Uh, similarly, you know, there's some concerns from Boise State because Utah State's had some really good contributions from uh, their bench in certain stretches of the season so far as well. Well, they're great players, no doubt about it, and they make a huge difference. And And I think that's, you know, when you look at our team and when you look at their team, it's probably two of the biggest keys of why we're both, you know, sitting where we're sitting, playing for a, a championship, both of us, because we've got – a good players in the starting lineup, but that's not only it. And we've got both teams that have great players coming off the bench that, that make huge differences and give, give both teams huge lifts. And, and I guarantee they wouldn't be where they are without that. And we wouldn't be where we are without the ones we have coming off the bench too. And so, you know, they, they've got a situation where they've got more than five starters, just like us, no doubt about it. Both coaches referred to uh, certainly keys to how they're going to be able to play against each other. And uh, Coach Smith uh, weighed in earlier this week about what he thinks are some of the key things that his team needs to do to get a victory in this uh, contest against the, the top teams in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, twofold with that. They, got, they do a great job. They're so fast with the ball. Um, every one of those guys is, is a fast athlete. And obviously um, – um, Armas is a big dude, but he's got good feet. He's got good feet um, east and west, and he's got good feet north and south. And he's got a high, high motor. So 
when you have a big that can run like that, and then all of their their perimeter guys um, run. And I say perimeter, including Key Jab, who's like a four man, but like so to speak. But they are fast. They're athletic. They do a good job. It feels like when they turn te- teams over, they make you pay. It just feels like anytime they get a turnover, um, they're getting a dunk on the other end, or it's basically a catastrophic turnover, like a pick six. And so that'll be big. We got to, you know, they're so good in transition. They have so many weapons. Uh, we got to handle the ball. Uh, I feel like the last couple games, we've been much better at that. Um, um, but that's an area we got to do a good job with is handling their length and their athleticism and not allow our offense to be their best offense. And then we got to be able to, you know, both teams, they're a good offensive rebounding team. Uh, they're a good rebounding team, period, as are we. So rebounding will be a big facet of, of the game. Of course, a big part of rebounding is how well you guard. <laughs> so, you know, you got to, when you guard, you got to be able to, force them to miss some shots. They're going to make a lot of tough shots. And we've, we've told our guys that you, there's going to be times we can test them perfectly and they're still going to make that play. Um, but you just got to be able to bounce back and, and have the willpower to make the next play. And they have just so many weapons that way. So we got to eliminate them to one and done. And, and, uh, and that's a hard thing to do, but we just got to be able to guard them the best that we can and understand when they have different lineups out there, what they're trying to accomplish um, on the floor because because of their versatility they are uh, they just put you in a lot of difficult positions on the defensive end a very talented team uh, it has a lot of shades of uh, UNLV when they played really well against the Yankees a lot of isolation um, a lot of talented individual players and uh, Utah State if they can play together as a unit and not get lulled into trying to compete with their uh, athleticism one-on-one they should be able to be okay. They should be able to come through that. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, Leon Rice, he has his thoughts, too, about Utah State and the type of season that they've had and preparing for the Yankees. Well, they're a great team, no doubt about it. And, and they've gotten better and better as the year went on. And, um, uh, you know, I've seen – I've just seen them because you know, I've watched them all throughout the year. And uh, they got great players, great coach, and, and – and I think it's like you said. We've we've had history of great battles with them, and and uh, you know uh, they they they've only played one game in 21 days, and the, the kind of team they are with that time to prepare that that uh, that makes you a little apprehensive. Okay, so is that really a luxury? Is that a benefit for Utah State to have so much time off? And uh, of course, we get the sense there. Coach Rice thinks that is an advantage. Uh, of having that kind of a layoff, Coach Smith, he doesn't quite feel the same way. He says that uh, you know his team is definitely going to have some rust coming to this matchup. We'll hear what he has to say about that uh, and more about um, this uh, matchup. The what the coaches are saying about this uh, showdown between the top teams in the Mountain West. You can watch it on CBS Sports Network starting at seven o'clock. Our sister station KVNU will have their pregame coverage starting at six. To get you ready for this uh, big showdown in Boise. More about the the matchups and what the coaches have to say coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, he patrols that thing really well and protects the rim. 
he's a difference maker. We played against him, you know, for a couple of years now, and we know what an impact he can have. That's a that's easier said than done situation. That's Boise State's coach Leon Rice talking about trying to limit Mishketa in the paint and with his rebounding prowess. Definitely a big factor for Utah State in how well they've been uh, patrolling the paint and limiting second-chance opportunities, changing shots, making more uh, difficult shot selections for opponents because they get in there and they see Nimi and uh, they have to either change their shot or change where they are on the floor to adjust for what he uh, what he does. And also speaking on Keta and how well he blocks shots, here's uh, more from Leon Rice about Nimi. Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, he patrols that thing really well and protects the rim. And he's a difference maker. We played against him, you know, for a couple of years now. And we know what an impact he can have. That's a that's easier said than done situation. Uh, said he also is aware of Justin Bean um, and um, the type of guy that he is. And he may draw the, more of the defensive assignment against uh, Derek Alston Jr. Uh, we put it really good the other day that he, like, one of the hardest guys to keep off the glass, one of the best energy guys in the league and and just a great basketball player. I mean, a guy that's getting, you know, he's every time you look, he's a double-double. Like you can almost pencil that in every single night. And that's what a great thing to be able to have on a team. Uh, we'll get more from the, the coaches in uh, just a moment, but want to remind you, you can love to get your uh, predictions, your score predictions for tonight's matchup, 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in. And I've already received a few predictions um, from from the uh, our listeners earlier uh, last hour. Uh, we got uh, 3426 saying Aggies, 72-63. to 9315 predicted 63-58 for Utah State. That's a little bit closer to what I have in line. I think it may be in the low 70s, high 60s. I, I know I, earlier I said probably more of the high 60s, but uh, these are two good scoring teams, but Utah State does have some rust from uh, a lot of time off. We'll get to that uh, debate as well. But uh, speaking of debates, 9474 texts in, Eric, can you end a debate? Does Utah State drive to Boise or fly? Good question. I know for football, they drive. They all load up in a bus. It's a lot cheaper to do that for basketball where they have a charter uh, and basically a, a private plane at their disposal. Um, that I do not know. I cannot definitively end that debate for you. I know that they do it for football. They uh, get on a bus. Uh, but for basketball, uh, I'm not entirely sure. It would not surprise me either way, whichever they do. So I'm sorry. I can't end your debate. Uh, I maybe I've just provided fuel for either side there, but unfortunately, uh, I I don't know. I can't answer that one. Uh, but one of the debates is is having a long layoff a benefit. Now, uh, Leon Rice says that uh, that that is a good thing for Utah State. It's a benefit for the Aggies having so much time off. I, I think there's different kinds of layoffs because I've had friends go through the one where they're shut down and they can't practice and. And I think those really, really can affect you. Um, the kind where you just don't get games might have some effect. I don't know. But that ability to be able to practice, uh, you know, and, the, you know, there's some there's some rejuvenating effects that you have because, I mean, we've played six games in about the last 18, 19 days. And that, that has an effect, no doubt about it. That's hard. And four of them, four straight on the road, Those that's, that's difficult. 
but a team like that that's really really smart and well coached you know you know I don't I'm not fired up about giving them 12 days to prepare for us or wherever it's been you know that's that's to me that that seems like it'd be a, a pretty nice advantage especially for a smart team like that and what about coach Smith what are your what are your thoughts what is it what have you seen having only played one game in 21 days and having Having the potential for a, a, a slow start and having some rust from not having game time with your team. Is that an advantage? Well, it's certainly reality, and you just got to deal with it. You know, we've tried to, in practice, change up the stimulus, do some different things while still working on some, you know, tightening up, um, you know, certain things on the offensive end, obviously defensively, um, tightening up some schemes that, Maybe we haven't worked on for a while, or just need to be better at. Um, we get We've told our guy like it's hard. It's it's easy. You know, it's hard to stay sharp. It, but to stay sharp, you have to really be locked in mentally um, to what's going on in practice. You know, when we played at at Boise a year ago, uh, we were fifteen and four, or we were fourteen and five, just like we are today. The difference is we were three and three in league play and not 11 and two. And it's just bizarre that we played the same number of games, but obviously, you know, twice as many conference games, more than twice as many conference games. But we, we'll, we're, you're always trying to stay sharp uh, and avoid rust. I'm sure we're going to show some rust, but that's just part of the deal. So we do, we'll put our best foot forward and, and, and see what happens against these guys. Uh, it's fun, isn't it? Different opinions about the same thing. Um, so coach Smith, a little bit worried about his team having so much time off and, uh, you know, yes, they've been able to practice. There is certainly an advantage of being able to watch game film of your opponents and, and prepare and, uh, try to prepare, you know, devise your game plan. But look, this is an Aggie team that went from preparing for game two against Fresno to coming back home, starting to prepare for Wyoming only to find out that series isn't going to happen. And so it's not like they've just been sitting around this entire time focused solely on Boise State. Certainly, they did have the benefit of earlier in the week knowing that Wyoming wasn't going to come here, that the Cowboys were uh, ducking coming to face the Aggies. So they've had a little extra time to prepare for Boise State. There's no question about that. They were able to watch and scout Boise in real time against a common opponent in UNLV. And so, that, sure, there's a, maybe an advantage there, but there's, there's a disadvantage to not playing games and having your guys rusty and getting tired of facing each other uh, in practice every day when those practices can be uh, pretty aggressive sometimes and pretty spirited. Um, but um, uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. But uh, this is this is a game, uh, a series, as we've talked about so many times, with a lot on the line, with the Mountain West Conference standings, opportunities to get a quad one win, to uh, improve your standings in the eyes of the NCAA Selection Committee. And Coach Rice, he recognizes that as well. There's a lot on the line in this series, which starts tonight. No question. No question about that. And, you know, that's what I told our guys. It's a privilege to be in this position. And it's a privilege because of what they've done, you know, by finding a way to win this last game. We're in this position. And, and you know, it's it's hard day after day and game after game. And, and then you throw in this new situation with back-to-backers. It's a whole... You know, it's a whole new thing to navigate. And then the, these guys have done a tremendous job to give us this privilege to play these games. Uh, so there you go. 
Um, there's, there's a lot on the line there. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you to uh, uh, Hall of Famer Al Lewis listening to the show. Answers the question, answers the debate about Utah State basketball. They drove. They drove to Boise. They typically drive to Boise, get on the bus. It's a lot cheaper to do that. Uh, it's uh, not, Yes, it is a long drive, but significantly a significant cost savings in doing that. So there you have it. Thanks, Al. Uh, we're going to take another time out here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, some final thoughts before we uh, hand it off uh, for the odd couple for a little bit. And then high school basketball picking up and uh, some big showdowns in the Region 11 tonight. And one of those big ones, a little rivalry um, in uh, the north end of Cache Valley. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Last couple minutes with you here before we hand it off. Uh, this is a big showdown between these two teams, Utah State. They rank in the top 50 nationally in six different categories. We've talked about some of them where they rank in the Mountain West, but uh, certainly playing some great basketball on a, when you compare national numbers. They are the number two team in the country in rebound margin. And uh, you'd have to think that's got to be continue to be a really big key in this matchup tonight is how well they patrol the paint, grab the rebounds, and give themselves opportunities, limit second-chance opportunities. And similarly, I think it goes with the Utah State size, field goal percentage defense. They're the number eight team in the country. They're the number 11 scoring defense, the Aggies are. Um, 19th with a scoring margin. Uh, 24th in blocked shots per game. So Utah State, very high in a lot of these different categories. Now, Boise State, they have some certain respectability in some key areas. 21st in scoring, or excuse me, in turnover margin. Uh, 20th in scoring margin, um, and uh, 43rd in both scoring defense and rebound margin. So uh, they've got some size of their own and some athleticism. Uh, I, for me, looking at this game, scouting this matchup, I think it's got a lot of shades of what we saw in UNLV, a team that likes to go ISO, use their individual talent, go one-on-one with you. And uh, Utah State did a much better job defending that in the second game uh, than they did the first one in uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, we'll see how well they've been preparing for it uh, later tonight. Again, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Also tonight, a lot of interesting high school basketball games. Logan is at Bear River. You can hear that on 104.9 FM in Box the County, as well as on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. Clint Payne will be on the call for both teams. Uh, Skyview is hosting Green Canyon tonight, a nice little rivalry there in the northern part of Cache County. That'll be here on the fan and on 100.9 FM. Hurricane John Newbold on the call. And then another rivalry, though it's certainly been one-sided in basketball, but that's uh, Ridgeline at Mountain Crest tonight. And uh, that'll be A.J. Knight on the call on 107.7 FM and uh, also 104.5 The Ranch. So be sure to check out CashValleyDaily.com later tonight. We'll have the photo galleries and uh, the scores. We'll have those updates as the regular season coming to a close this week for Region 11. Last games of the season, regular season tomorrow night for girls basketball, and then the final games of the regular season for boys on Friday. The last uh, uh, RPI rankings will be released and revealed Saturday morning, and that's when we will know the playoff pairings throughout 4A basketball, who's at home, who's on the road, who gets a first-round bye. We'll have all those details later on in the week. Until then, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody.